What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, episode number two on Monday, September 16th. I'm Will Frinson. I'm the host of this quasi-daily podcast. Can't be daily when you're more than daily. Uh, CBS Sports, of course. We do it uh, two shows. We do a show every single day, Monday through Friday, during the week. And then we do an extra Monday show and an extra Thursday show, previewing the week to come with our pal and newly technologically advanced Jared Dubin. What's up, buddy? I feel like I have come into the 22nd century along with <laughs> the Kellen Moore offense. <laughs> very well. Very well done. Um, look, we're going to get to uh, Jason Lockenfora. We're going to – Dubin and I are going to break down Monday Night Football between the uh, the Jets and the Browns. And then Jason Lockenfora has some thoughts about week uh, week week two as well as some, some news regarding Ben Roethlisberger. We talk about Drew Brees as well. Uh, and unfortunately for the Saints and Drew Brees, it sounds like Jason's prognosis later in the show, which we had already recorded obviously, is going to end up being uh, pretty spot-on accurate. According to a report about on, on Monday morning, right as we were about firing this up um, – from uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media, Drew Brees has a torn ligament in his throwing thumb, and he's going to require surgery, sources say. The time frame depends on the surgery, but he's likely out six weeks. That's the initial estimate. Um, the next step is to decide for Drew Brees uh, who will do the surgery and what procedure he'll happen that will that could potentially change the time frame. As I noted in my medical analysis on the, 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 the recap post on Sunday night, this is a, a UCL injury. It's called gamekeeper's thumb. It's uh, it happens like with uh, old Scottish, like old, like I'm dead serious, like Scottish gamekeepers who were had to deal with the birds on their hand uh, would often suffer these injuries as well. And um, and and now Drew Brees, it appears, has this this injury in his thumb. Which if you saw the video and you saw the post that I wrote about on sorting the Sunday pile, you realize that it would call it could potentially make it difficult to grip the the football. And now Dubin, it feels like. Uh, the season has completely flipped. The, the season has flipped on the Saints. The entire NFC South has drastically altered in the span of 72 hours in a way that I don't think anybody could have really anticipated. And I would anticipate, I would guess that, uh, week 10 is probably what we're staring down, uh, when it comes to Drew Brees' return. That's after the week nine bye. They have six games in between that. What do you think this does for the landscape? of the NFC South, the NFC South as a whole. And, I mean, are the Saints – can the Saints keep afloat while Drew Brees is gone? I haven't looked exactly at what their schedule is over the next six weeks. I know they have Dallas in a couple weeks just because I follow the the Cowboys beat writers because I'm a Cowboy fan, and they're all all tweeting about how – Literally right now, the Cowboys play the Saints in two weeks, so they're not going to have him. That that looks like a pretty difficult game for them to win, given how good Dallas has looked through two weeks. Yeah. Uh, next week, um, who's on the Saints schedule? Sure, next here's, week? Here's, here's, the schedule. here's the schedule coming up. And by the way, the um, Cowboys get the Dolphins and uh, Drew Brees' Saints team. So good for you. The Seahawks, it appears, are going to get six quarters of Mason Rudolph and uh, – and, and, and Teddy Bridgewater. So the Seahawks are the big winners here. The Seahawks are also playing, obviously playing, uh, the Saints are at the Seahawks this week. They're staying in, in Seattle. They flew from, uh, from Los Angeles where they lost to the Rams to Seattle to stay there for the week. Then they have the Cowboys at home in week four, the Buccaneers at home in week five, at the Jaguars, at the Bears, and then the Cardinals at home in week eight before their week nine bye. So the schedule is not too difficult once they get past these next couple of weeks, I mean, they could beat the Cardinals. They could beat the Jaguars. 
the Bears look like they can't score on anybody. They could be beaten, too. Sure. Um, it, a lot of it's going to depend, I think, on their defense, how well that unit plays. And they looked pretty good for a bunch of the game yesterday, and then they obviously were undermined a little bit by the offense's real inability to do anything. Um, we're going to have to see a lot more from Teddy Bridgewater than what we saw yesterday during that game. I would imagine they'll tweak the offense a bit to play more to his strengths than what Breeze does. That's mm. an offense that doesn't do a lot of, like, you know, RPO and option type stuff with Breeze out there just because they wanted to get the ball out as sure. quickly as possible. You might have to play, you know, to Bridgewater's ability to decide what he's going to do after the snap a bit more, uh, where Breeze is going to identify the guy basically just from looking at the defense. He knows where to go with it because he's so good at that. Bridgewater might need a little bit more information after the snap, change that offense a little bit, try to get, you know, Kamara into a little bit more space. They might have to lean on the run a bit more just because they don't have Breeze. Obviously, runs are not as efficient as passes, but I could definitely see them deciding, you know what, we're going to run this whole thing through Alvin Kamara because he's the best player on our offense now. Um, the, the difference there is, I mean, you saw yesterday, Teddy and Kamara did not have the same kind of chemistry that Breeze and Kamara do. It's not as easy for somebody to hit him in stride as it is for Drew Breeze. And then you look at Mike Thomas. I mean, so much of their short passing game is based on Breeze just being able to ball, fit the ball absolutely wherever he wants. I mean, Teddy's not that kind of guy either. All of a sudden, their two best players get like 20% of their effectiveness knocked off. And um, I think it's going to be – a lot is going to be riding on that defense over these next six weeks or so. Yeah, I mean, I think one one thing you're, you're spot on. One thing that's fascinating about the Saints team is that now – I mean, th- that defense kept him in the game against the Rams for a long time. And the refs – uh, not, um, not managing to correctly call the Cameron Jordan, the would be Cameron Jordan return touchdown really changed. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, like that, like they would have been up 10 to three at halftime. And I, it, it, you can't overstate how, how much that changed the game. I mean, the Saints just kind of ran out of gas and the Rams warmed down and made some big plays and, and eventually, you know, they just broke. I, I do think. You know, look, the Cowboys game is the toughest game on that schedule for sure. Uh, but the Buccaneers don't have a good defense and, you know, who knows what Jameis Winston could do. It's at home. Uh, the Seahawks are, they're probably not going to win in Seattle. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I don't think it's inconceivable that this team could go three and three while Drew Brees is out, which would have them at four and four with Brees coming back in week 10. The important thing about that is the NFC South looks like it might be terrible. Uh, the Falcons are one and one. But they, they, they weren't good. They would have tried to give that game away against, against the Eagles on, on Sunday night and Philadelphia was missing everybody. The Panthers are 0-2. I, this is a, this Breeze situation is huge for the Panthers because it actually opens up the possibility that they could climb back into this division even at 0-2, uh, after starting off, uh, that, that way at home. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, on the Thursday wrap up pod you guys did last week, you were talking about, oh my God, the Saints are like winning the, a- the NFC South by like four yeah. games. Now all of a sudden it's like, if Cam Newton can be 75% healthy, the Panthers are feeling pretty good. The Bucks are still quarterbacked by Jameis. The Falcons were atrocious against the Vikings in week one and then lost to like half of the Eagles last night almost. Um, that division looks like trash, man. <laughs> yeah. It, it went from like maybe the best division, but like a lot of people were like, this team, this division, you get three teams in the playoffs. It's probably a one playoff team division. And that team is probably going to be something like nine and seven when they win the division because of how they started. Uh, it, it is a fascinating twist for remember for, before the season, we were talking about how good the NFC was and it looked like there were so many contenders. It looks like there's like three good teams now. Yeah. And they're all in the NFC West. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The Cowboys, Cowboys look awesome. I mean, you're, as a Cowboys fan, two weeks in, you're feeling pretty good about life and you have, 
the the Dolphins coming to town. I mean, the Cow- Cowboys are probably going to be four and zero because they have the Dolphins coming to town, and then the uh, they head to New Orleans to play the Saints without Drew Brees, presumably. So good Cowboys. Should, uh, never assume that a Jason Garrett team is just going to win the games it's supposed to win. It's time to accept the revolution, dupes. It's happening. Uh, meanwhile, way, I want to push back. By the way, I listened to the podcast from last night. Ryan is out there calling me a Cowboys homer. Like anybody who has heard me talk about the Cowboys before would absolutely know that I'm the opposite of a homer and I'm just like flabbergasted by what's happening with this team right now. I, I think I think what he meant was you're the resident Cowboys skeptic and that <laughs> like a Cowboys fan who is the like like you're not a homer. You're just a Cowboys fan. But you're also like t- petrified that the Cowboys are going to do something stupid because they do, in fact, employ Jason Garrett and that you are um, in shell. You're shell shocked at, at, at the fact that this revolution is occurring and Dak is a legitimate uh, um the uh, a legitimate MVP candidate. So moving along to Monday Night Football. And by the way, we'll talk more about this um, with uh, Jason Lockenfora, who essentially said that he he thought Drew Brees would miss about six weeks or so, and that the thumb injury, you know, it turned out to be spot on. Um, Monday Night Football tonight features the a team, two team. What there's not going to be a quarterback, right? The the we got the Jets are going to be missing uh, Sam Darnold with mono. Um, the Browns had a atrocious first game. They opened up as two and a half point favorites in this thing, and now they are uh, six and a half or seven point favorites. Quentin Williams out, C.J. Mosley out. What do the what will the Browns look like on offense, and will it be better than that poop show we saw in Week One? It almost has to be, right? I mean, no C.J. Mosley, no Quentin Williams. The Jets' cornerbacks are like some of the worst in the league. I mean, that Tremaine Johnson signing that they had last year looks like an absolute disaster he got lit up last week by john brown i mean imagine how much fun odell beckham's gonna have um nothing is gonna happen for this cleveland offense though unless they clean up the offensive line i mean that that unit was just i mean it was disgusting last week the offense took 10 penalties the offensive line allowed five sacks and baker got hit like a bunch more times than that like maybe if greg robinson doesn't kick dudes out in the head and get tossed out of the game that should help them but i mean it's 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 difficult to imagine a team with a weaker pass rush that they could be going against. I mean, you look you look at this Jets unit up front. There's really nobody to be scared of. Like the the best pass rushers up front are Henry Anderson and Leonard Williams, and neither of those guys are really pass rushers. They're like you know athletic run defenders that sort of make their their best plays on in, in that side of the ball. I mean, are you scared of Jordan Jenkins, Terrell Basham, Harvey Lange, who I didn't even know was a guy until I was writing about this game? Um, these real people? Are you tricking me? Or is this yeah. just like a joke to find out whether I pay attention to the NFL or not? What's happening? These are, these are real guys. Harvey Lange? Who the yeah. Harvey Lange? I had no idea who he was literally until I started writing about this game. Uh, and I looked up because I didn't watch much of the, that Jets-Bills game last week. Um, and, yeah, he apparently played a little bit on the edge, so. What are you going to do? Um, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, it, okay, and look, if, if they can protect guess, Baker. Let's guess, let's guess where he went to school because I don't know yet. I'm, I'm going to um, – do you know where he went to college? I, I found out. Do you know? Did you, um, I'm going to say he seems like a Pac-10 guy, Pac-12 guy. Uh, um, did he go to, like, Washington? Ooh, close. BYU. Oh, okay. RV Lang. Kind of close. Noted Mormon. Is, is BYU in the Pac-12? Uh, you know, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I don't think so. No, it's not in the Pac-12, but it's out west. It's in it's in Utah, so we'll give you we'll give you credit for that. Um, yeah, this this is it possible that Greg Williams, with his uh, distaste for the 
the Browns players, including Odell Beckham and all this nonsense that's going on with him? Is it possible that he just uh, blit? Like, we could see a situation where he just uncorks blitz after blitz after blitz on Baker Mayfield, right? And just tries to generate some kind of pressure and just tries to make Baker Mayfield make a mistake and is willing to give up a bunch of long touchdowns to Odell Beckham. That feels like a possibility. Yeah, I mean, well, that's kind of Greg Williams' philosophy anyway. He <laughs> He's like the, the heaviest, the blitz heaviest defensive coordinator of the last like 20 years. All he does is send pressure from all different angles and play his free safety like 45 yards off the ball. <laughs> um, that's why everybody was like, what on earth is going on with Jabril Peppers these last couple of years? Because Greg Williams would play him like literally 35, 40 yards off the ball, send like six guys against the blitz, and then they would just give up slants and slants and slants. And do you know the one guy in the league you don't want to give up a slant to? That's right, Odell Beckham, who is going to probably torch uh, Tremaine Johnson uh, off the line. And if Baker could just get two seconds with which he can throw the ball, I mean, he should have a whole lot of fun operating against this Jets defense, especially if they start rolling safety coverage towards Odell, because then, you know, they got Mosley out in the middle of the defense now. I mean, then David Njoku and Jarvis Landry are going to be wide open over the middle, and if they start unrolling that safety coverage, then all of a sudden Beckham is going to have a whole lot of fun against Jermaine Johnson. It's um, There's a lot of threats for them to deal with, and if the, the offensive line can hold up at all, they should be able to have a lot of success throwing. Mm, interesting. What about... Uh... What about when the Jets have the ball? Because it's going to be the Trevor Simeon show on offense. I can't. Yeah. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control. Oh, I'm sorry. That was, <laughs> that was meant to be monotone. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> okay, I'm going to hell. Um, anyway, uh, what are we? I mean, look, the last time we saw Trevor Simeon uh, as a quarterback, he was so bad that he got benched for Brock Osweiler. That was two years ago in 2017. He hasn't taken a regular season snap since then. He's basically, it's like if, if Alex Smith checked down 25% more than Alex Smith actually does and also was extremely turnover prone, that would be Trevor Simeon. Less, um, less athletic, more turnover prone, more check down happy Alex Smith. What's the over under? I mean, the over under for, uh, Jameson Crowder targets might be 32 and a half. I got, he had, what did he have? 16 targets last Seven, week? 17 with 14 catches for like 89 yards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it might be a lot more than that again this week. I mean, especially cause they're probably going to have Denzel Ward shadow Robbie Anderson on the outside. I mean, with, with Quincy and Nunwa gone too. I mean, they might be starting Demarius Thomas, who's obviously coming off of, you know, the Achilles injury last year and then has been sort of limited throughout the offseason and was in New England like six days ago or whatever it was. Um, if, if Denzel Ward takes out Robbie Anderson, I mean, it's basically just going to be Jamison Crowder and Le'Veon Bell underneath. I mean, they're still missing Chris Herndon also because he's got three more games left on his suspension. It's really hard to see how they're going to move the ball through the air given that, you know, Ward's probably going to take out their most dangerous receiver. That sort of eliminates the deep part of the field that Simeon doesn't really like to throw to anyway. And this Browns team does actually have a, a good pass rush up front. Miles Garrett was great last week. I mean, Olivier Vernon up front, Sheldon Richardson, uh, Larry Ogunjobi in the middle. They're, even their linebackers are pretty underrated, too. This defense, I think, should be pretty good. They sort of got uh, rolled up on last week. They had, like, that 75-yard touchdown to uh, to Derrick Henry. Um which, I mean, they missed a pretty clear legal block in the back that was called on the previous drive on the Browns. But I, I expect bigger things out of this defense, especially, I mean, this Jets offense I don't think has much to offer with Darnold out, which is really disappointing. I was really excited to see what that offense was going to look like. I mean, they had pretty good weapons. They had Darnold, who looked great toward the end of the, of the season last year and then in preseason as well. I mean, with with Anderson, Anuma, Crowder, Le'Veon, Herndon, I was pretty excited for what they were going to do. And now it's like, 
we're going to have to wait till like at least midseason to see what they're actually going to look like. Yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like this offense is going to do much. What would you what would you say the most likely outcome of this game is? I mean, yeah, I mean, look, if the Browns are anywhere near as good as what we thought they were going to be, I mean, they should they should win this kind of game going away. It's a Jets defense that's missing, uh, you know, two of its best players up the middle. They should be able to have success running. They should be able to have success throwing. And then, I mean, the offense, you're talking about a team that's missing its possession receiver, missing its quarterback, missing its dynamic tight end. They should be able to, to lock down on defense, too. I mean, I would imagine Le'Veon Bell is going to see like 30, 35 touches or something like that just because they're going to try to put the entire game on his shoulders and be like, go make something happen. Um, but you should be able to key in against that. I and mean, he's an unbelievable player, but if he's really the only guy that's a conceivable threat, you should be able to figure out how to stop him. I think the Browns should win this one going away, but I thought that last week too, and they came out and got, they didn't really get stomped until the end of the game, but you know, they couldn't beat a Titans team that, I mean, yesterday didn't look too good against the Colts, so. Right. Uh, let's, let's hypothetically say that I've got, uh, the Browns minus two and a half and jumped on it when the line first came out. Would you also take the, uh, Jets plus seven as a little window or, uh, would you, would you, would you ride out that Browns minus two and a half? And let's say hypothetically that I've got four units on it. So would prefer not to, you know, lose all of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hypothetically, I think I would still be pretty comfortable with the Browns. Like, it just seemed like, granted, I think I've been wrong about like every game that we've previewed on the podcast what so are you far. Talking about you've been great. Are you serious? Well, I was wrong on on last Thursday. Oh, about, that's uh, well, well, that's fine. Everybody was wrong about Thursday. Cam was a shell of himself. No, but we didn't know that was coming. I mean, yeah. Cam, Cam was a shell of himself, and the, and the Panthers had could have easily won that and covered that game. I know that. I know that. Like, that seems like insane hindsight analysis. But I mean, they they lost. They had the ball on the like fourth and one inside the five with the chance to win the game, and that was after making a ton of stupid plays throughout the game. I mean, I think it was just a weird week two game. Um, anyway, you 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 were anyway. I think I would still be pretty comfortable with the Browns. Okay, what would you take uh, if you were? um, Let's look at the uh, what's the over under here. If you had, uh, let's say you had. Browns minus six and a half at minus one fifteen, which means it's probably going to get to seven, um, and then the over under at forty five. What, what do you think about that? Um, I feel like I would go under. I think unless the Browns are putting up like in the mid thirties or so, it might be difficult for the game to get over forty five. Just because I mean, the Simeon led offense without you know a couple of the targets that they would need to move the ball seems like it not a recipe for success, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's hard to imagine this going over unless it's like Browns go 38 points and just drop right. a bomb on the on the Jets, which I, I don't really see happening per se. Yeah, I mean, it's look, they're, they're set up to have a lot of success, dot, 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 if the offensive line can hold up. And that's just, I mean, it's a pretty big question right now. Mm. All right. Uh, so what's your final score prediction? I think I had 30 to 13, which is actually pretty close to that over under. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty close and it is under, like I said. So, uh, that's where I came down on in the preview that should be going up pretty soon on the site. All right. Lean under like the Browns, maybe not minus six and a half though. Jared Dubin. Thank you as always, buddy. We will talk on uh Thursday. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, man.
All right, after the break, we'll talk to Jason Lockenfora about Big Ben's injury and more breakdown of uh, week two, as well as Drew Brees. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, joining us now to talk all things NFL, maybe focus on some Monday night, maybe focus on some quarterbacks, some kickers, some injuries. Jason Lockenfora, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? How, uh, how we feeling two weeks into the season? Um, this is supposed to be an overcorrection week, right? Because it's, it's week two and we know nothing. I don't know that it, it really was. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it really overcorrected in a big, as big a way as it usually does. Does that, does that make sense to you? I think I, I get where you're, um, where you're going. I, I think I follow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, like, the pendulum, we think the pendulum's swinging one way, and then it swings entirely another way. Um, like, like, yeah, I don't, like, I don't like, feel like that, that happened, right? Yeah, I, think, yeah, like, I, I don't know that there was, like, a whole bunch of things last, you know, or this past weekend where I was like, I never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, so, like, the Raiders are one and one. And they lost to the Chiefs. Okay, all right, no, no big deal. Like I sort of would have predicted that if they'd been one and zero or zero and zero and one to begin with. The Chargers uh, pooped their pants on, in a road game in September. Eh, not, not right, gonna... right. I mean, should it like, like should they have won that game ten different ways? Absolutely yes. and positively. The fact that they didn't and they didn't for totally like Charger esque reasons. How could you be surprised? Like, it's just what happens. It's just how they do. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just punter kicking, you know, r- backup running back fumbling at the goal line, uh, having to just literally throw jump balls on second and fourteen and third and fifteen because you will not trust that punter to make a field goal from like three points are completely out of the equation. Like you literally can't even pretend like kicking three to tie is a possibility. How, how about That's the uh, an interesting way to run your football team? How about the uh, third and 14 with one minute left trailing by three points and three timeouts in your back pocket delay of game penalty. That was a good one. Yeah, that was, that was, that took it up a notch. Yeah, it sure that did. That took it um, up a notch. Yeah. But like literally, like there was no thought of like, let's just check it down and try to get closer for a field goal. It was like, if we don't get seven here, there's no other way we're winning this football game. How, and I don't get how you get, and I, not that we plan to start on the Chargers, but we did plan to start on kickers. Um, it sounds like, so the Chargers have a kicking problem. Uh, the Bears somehow yeah. don't have a kicking problem. The Colts. Right. The that, Colts yeah, that is an overcorrect. I didn't see that one coming. Pinheiro, Pinheiro, like being, you know, money. I wasn't, I, I didn't know that was coming. Did you see the, did you see the Chicago uh, Tribune headline this morning? I saw the picture, but I didn't see the headline. 
E-D-D-Y, Eddie Money. Pretty good. In the tribute. I, I, I almost kind of went there myself a minute ago, but then I was like, that would be pretty lame. And the, the man just passed. But no, I get it. That's cute. I think it was a tribute to, to Edward. Yeah, yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Edward, Edward Mahoney. Nay, Eddie Money. Who I don't know. I don't know about you. Like I'm a huge Eddie Money fan, so that was sort of devastating. Also, I don't know what I could say huge, but I've always like had respect for Eddie Money, and you know what I mean. Like, like I don't, if an Eddie Money song comes on, I'm not like immediately trying to change the channel like I am 95 percent of the time. I, I, I'm sort of a, yeah. No, I, I'm a big Eddie Money fan. I mean, not like not. A, I mean, I think I've seen Eddie Money in concert one time. It was in like at a Hams in Greensboro. It was very low rent concert but you know anyway okay uh, um i don't know how this got to where we are so well the, if we are there weird story sure so all, friday night all, i go see what's that we're oh, always there night. we're always there so feel free to yeah 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 so saturday night you know i'm in new york for work uh i have a buddy who's in from out of town he's like why don't you try to jump on an earlier train we'll go to we'll go see the mets game it's you know it's uh degrom against uh rue i'm like all right so we get out there um, and it's like the sixth inning and they put, you know, they're, they're putting people on the jumbotron. So, um, they put this dude with curly gray hair. I don't know who he is with this, you know, attractive woman. And my buddy's friend is like, that's Paulina Porskova. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's definitely not Rick Ocasek. And then, so they start Googling, you know what I mean? And they're like, Oh, I, I didn't even know they had split. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just always figured, you know what I mean? I didn't know, because I don't think they technically divorced, right? They were just separated? Uh, I am not entirely sure. And apparently she just started dating this, this guy who is an author. Whoa. And then like 12 hours later, she found Rick Ocasek in his apartment. Whoa, that's crazy. Rick Ocasek yeah, she was at that Mets game. I mean, that was definitely her. For those who don't know, Rick Ocasek. And I think that was her first time out with like this new guy, because like all the uh, like... You know what I mean? When they started Googling it, like all the page six and everything was like, you know, Paulina's now, you know, they're, like they're separated and she's dating this new guy. Wow. Yeah. It looks like May 3rd, 2018, uh, they separated. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I wasn't aware. They've been, pe- I, I wasn't either, but that is, uh, they've been married for 28 years. Man, yeah. that, you know, that stuff happens a lot. Like, I mean, hopefully there's nothing, um, like, uh, like, it doesn't uh, seem to be, you know what I mean? At this point, they're saying I mean, he's 75, so he's older, but you know, like sometimes people separate from someone they've been married to for like 30 years and, uh, and, and, you know, it ends up being a, you know, thing that you have like a friendship and whatever. Yeah. I mean, so I'm saying, sure. like, I mean, like sometimes people like, 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 you know, their, their spouse will die and they will quickly sort of, Oh, when they are having together. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So I mean, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, um, we did. We did go there. Uh, R.I.P. Rick Ocasek. R.I.P. Eddie Money. I hope there's not a third because the rule of three always comes around. Right. Hopefully there's not a third. Yeah. I, you know, it is. It is interesting not to go off in, the, in a rock and roll tangent. Debo is like slamming his head into the his, the mixer right now. But like, this is about to be a regular thing for the next ten years because all these rock and roll legends are in their you know, yeah sixties, seventies, eighties. We're about to have a run. Of just, I mean, like, you know, it's just, just sort of the nature of the beast. And like, I feel like we have. I feel like it's been a few years now where every sure. couple of months, like, I mean, Bowie, Prince. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Leonard Cohen and David Bowie, like, they weren't that far apart. Like, I just feel like every six weeks there's somebody else. And you're like, Damn. Levon, yeah, Levon Helm. I mean, yeah, it's brutal. Anyway, uh, let's talk more football. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Money in Chicago, Eddie Money of Chicago, E-D-D-Y, uh, nailed a yes. field goal, 52 yard field goal to win or 51 yard field goal, whatever it was, to win against the Broncos. Um, 
a two part varied question and feel free to go off on it. Uh, one, do you feel confident in the Bears now that they have a kicker, even though they might not have a quarterback? And two, should the NFL be looking at these referees for botching the end of that game? I, I mean, they, they seem to be standing behind the the roughing the passer calls, you know, one on each team, and 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 doing so under the provision about you know full weight on the body. That's always been one to me. That's like you're getting way down deep in intent. You know what I mean? And the laws of physics, and you know how much is a guy supposed to overcompensate and potentially hurt himself to try not to hurt somebody else? That one has always been kind of a bridge too far for me. Um, so I, I, I mean, but yeah, there's been, look, there's been officiating blunders all over the place. Um, the, 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 by and large, they have lost a lot of institutional knowledge and on field knowledge through retirements, through some of the best in the business, going to work for people like us at CBS or, you know, our colleagues at Fox or ABC, NBC, anybody involved in telecasting football games, college or pro. And it's, it's very hard to train guys on the fly, and there is no substitute for game reps and high-speed, high-stakes game reps. And they only come, you know, on Saturdays, Sundays, Thursdays, and Mondays. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it, it, it's going to be, unfortunately, a subplot for a, a ways to go. Yeah. Um, I was just glad that game ended because I was – I mean, if we would have had to watch a fifth quarter of, of those two quarterbacks, it might have been a, a bit much for me. Um, I, I, I'm on record all over the place, all off season long saying, I don't buy either of those offenses for 2019. And I mean, you can win and win on the road with your quarterback throwing for 90 yards in this day and age, I guess, cause we just saw it, but that, that is not a template for that is replicable on even a quasi weekly basis. I, wait, wait, I wait, 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 wait. the Did... defense is really, really good, but like you can't, you, you, you can you can only hide a quarterback so long. Did Mr. Trubisky throw for ninety yards? And I just I just glossed over that last night. I don't think. I, I mean, at, at one point it was eighty-seven was deep in the fourth quarter. One hundred and twenty. My God, Trubisky. And that's with getting you know they got the ball back a couple times late and it's desperation time. But like when they were when they had their lead, you know what I mean? And they were when we were kind of in in the meat of that game. Yeah, I mean they were deep in the fourth quarter at eighty-seven passing yards. I mean, when it when when you've got the lead, you've got a one score lead, and it's third and eight, and he, he's throwing five yards shy of the sticks. That you know who you have. I knew who you had last year. You, you last year happened. Uh, okay, it happened. But like I, I knew who he was, and they knew who he was because he was really only reading half the field, and it's high low, and it's it's it. Once he got out of the first quarter and off the script, he was he was not a functional winning quarterback, even though they still won. But if you look at the numbers after the first quarter and after the script, it's night and day. He played with the lead the entire year. I mean, they, they, their turnover ratio last year was astronomical. The schedule favors. I mean, everything. Yeah. It's not happening twice. And they knew he wasn't evolving. Like, it just is what it is. And I had nothing against the kid, but, like, I, I'm also not – I know what I'm seeing. Like, they – you know, he's on the Marcus Mariota path. They're, 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 you know, fourth and one or whatever, chance to 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 with four minutes left, and variable punch. You know that's who you. Okay, well, yeah, you're telling me you see the same thing I do. You know who you have, but you got guess what? You got him for, you know, fifteen more weeks. So you could always make a change, or whatever. But like, 
That, I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry that they're, you're not going to win that way. All right. So what's the, uh, what's the, what's the upside for this team knowing what we've seen from the rest of the division? Um, and, and where would you place them? I mean, I think, I think it's, I think the Lions are better than people think. Um, yeah. they, they should have won that. They should, look, they, they should be two and oh. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, like they really should. And, um, but I, I, it's fair to say that the, uh, that the Packers and, and Vikings and Bears are maybe a little step above. How would you slot out those teams? I know you wrote about the Packers a little bit on your, uh, column for CBSSports.com. Yeah, Monday. I mean, I think Minnesota has the best roster. Um, I just, Minnesota's quarterback is a problem. $84 million problem. I mean, that interception, I mean, Minnesota's, I can't say they dominated the game because they were down 21 nothing, but just go. That was misleading. Everything went Green Bay's way the first three possessions. Yep. And then they got, they got the snot kicked out of them for three quarters and held on the win because Cousins couldn't, I mean, he couldn't complete even 50% of his passes. And that, you know, he had just an absolutely crazy first down boneheaded interception yeah. when they could have been, where they should have at least kicked a field goal that would allow them to then win with a field goal. You know, they score a touchdown, and you know they're going ahead. Um, I, I don't know what's going on inside, you know, of, of his noggin right now, but that's not good. But everything else about Minnesota—I mean, the running game is absolutely explosive. Um, the defense still has its moments, but um, by and large, looks like it's got its bite back. Uh, there's a lot to like about them, but. They, I mean, they they should be two and zero. They should absolutely be two and zero. Yeah, I I, I, I no, I'm with you because I was saying that on our halftime show of CBS Sports HQ, our 24 seven streaming sports network available on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, uh, free uh, real sports news for real sports fans. We were doing the halftime show with me, Pete, and Jamie, and Pete was like blasting the Vikings and blasting Cousins, and I get it, Cousins. Probably can't, doesn't look like he can win the big one. And that, that is a real concern for someone who took the, the, uh, the, 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 the Vikings to win the Super Bowl. But like Aaron Rodgers, they, I thought they did a really good job. The Packers coming out early in that first quarter. They ran a bunch. They had a, they had a, some nice scripts going. Aaron Rodgers was throwing the ball really well. Devontae Adams is getting open. Um, they looked like a, an offense that was really rolling. And then, you know, Minnesota made some mistakes. Uh, they, they missed a field goal. There should have been a touchdown. It got, it got called back on a, on a pass interference call that was instant, that was, uh, brought in from the booth from above, uh, oddly enough. And, and so it felt like it could have been even like 21-17 at half. And I think that's really the one thing for the, the Vikings is they're going to have trouble digging out of bigger holes against good defenses. And that's true for anyone, right? But like yeah. Cousins just doesn't look like he can do it on, on the biggest stage. I mean they were they were there it was twenty one sixteen in the third quarter. They could they could have easily won that game. They had multiple- Well and, and I mean look the kicker missed a makeable field goal and an extra point, which I mean yeah. again and that's that this is an epidemic. But they they left four points on the board and then the interception in the end zone. So I, I mean I broke it down. The first three drives you had the missed field goal, Green Bay turns it into seven. You had a turnover, Green Bay turns it into seven. Green Bay had another scoring drive. I think they ran 19 plays, already had 21 points, and had almost 200 yards. Mm. They ran 50 plays the rest of the day for like 130 yards. I mean, it's like, it's hard to do. Did you feel like they were like 3.5 yards per play over the final, you know, three quarters of that game? Like, did you, but did you, I mean, Minnesota's got a nice defense and all, but you got a $35 million quarterback. Like, come on, man. Did you feel like that was, them sort of trying to shell up and just run the clock out, or was that just no. stagnating? I think they got locked down. Mm. 
You know, and then they did get a couple of decent runs on at the end of the game, you know, to help put it on ice. But like between that start and a couple of those Jones runs late, there was, I mean, there was zero offense to speak of. I mean, you could see the tensions getting a little bit high on the sidelines. Like they're two and zero. I'm not gonna make a huge deal out of it. Um, the defense is definitely better. You spend, you know, whatever, a hundred million dollars in guaranteed money on that side of the ball. It better be better. Um, and the bottom line is they're finding ways to win games, so um, we'll see. But I'm not, I'm not like sold on them the way other people are sold on them. Yeah, Packers first. Through in drives. terms of being a team that can win multiple games in January, I'm, 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 I'm personally not ready to say that yet. Is this from your column? Packers first three drives, 21 points. Rest of the game zero, 176 to 159 in yardage, 145 yeah. passing yards the rest of the way. Yay, yay, yay. Yeah, that's a little yeah. bit of a red flag. I, by the way, uh, Matt LaFleur, I saw this uh, friend of the program, Peter Schrager, uh, tweeted out that uh, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay, all 2-0 to start the 2019 season. Uh, the Redskins, who employed all of those guys in 2013, uh, are 0-2 uh, <laughs> with, with a bullet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're 0-2 and, and, like, the, the, the head coach, like, Kind of sort of alluded to, like, the, you know, the defensive coordinator maybe not, you know, being in the coolest seat of all. Like, that there were some um, cryptic comments in Jay, you know, from Jay Gruden after the game. Um, I love basically it. saying, we've got, we've got, like, we've got too many good players on that defense for our defense to be looking like this. Mm, I love cryptic comments. It's always fun. So, uh, yeah. Um, and and to me the 49ers are flying totally under the radar and uh, yeah, which is probably good for them. I mean they lose you know, you know they lose Staley for a couple of months, um, but they're you know that they're they're going you second you know second year Kyle with this quarterback even though he was hurt last year just being around the system and all that. Um, I thought they'd be better. I didn't think they'd be great, and and I still don't know if they're going to be great. I'm not. I don't. I don't necessarily think they. They will, but I also don't think they're going to be, you know, flirting with a top five draft pick anymore either. The 49ers might be the team that we, you know, we talked about teams that like, it, it didn't, like there wasn't a, it's not like there's a need, a reverse reaction, but like in a good way, because they, they started out one and oh, they beat the Buccaneers, but Jimmy G looked like crap. You know, they stayed on, yeah. they stayed in Ohio. They needed two pick yep. sixes to win that game. And then Jimmy G goes out and lights it up against the Bengals, who maybe the Bengals are one of those teams too, even though they're 0 and 2. They had looked like they had a good defense and Andy Dalton had found something in Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor had found something in Andy Dalton, uh, and then lays a complete egg against the 49ers. I think I, I need to go back and watch more of that game. I didn't really catch a whole ton of it on Sunday. My guess is that we will look at that and say, my goodness, this 49ers defensive line is going to be a problem for people. Yeah. Yeah, they've, you know, I think Buckner is just a beast. Um, they've added pieces around him now, obviously, throwing Bosa in that mix. It's, they, they've got a whole lot more to play with over there now. Um, and I thought at times last year they they really did do do more with less and given some of the personnel constraints, I thought there were some some things that that staff did that intrigued me. But now they've got more horses and uh, – that's an interesting division. You got three undefeated teams in that division. Um, be, it'll be fun when they get together and play. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's a tough start for the 49ers, just logistically, geographically, the whole nine yards. I mean Tampa really, really hot and muggy. Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't. I didn't check the exact game conditions in Cincinnati, but I'm, in Cincinnati, you know, it's pretty hell. warm on the East Coast. Yeah, um, you get hey, a lot what, of humidity. What do you think about this matchup between Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson? We got coming. Is this the? Is this? Uh, I think it's interesting, and I, I sort of tried to write about this, but I couldn't. I couldn't quite get there. But it's it, just, it was just too big picture for me. Like by the time I was writing it, like midnight last night. But yeah, it's fascinating to kind of juxtapose. Big Ben and, and, and Drew Brees getting injured on the same day that Kyler Murray looks really, looks good, at least late. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury just won't open no, him Kyler up. No, Kyler Murray looked good. I mean, look, Kyler Murray between the 20s was. Or excuse me, it's Mahomes and Lamar was, Jackson was, next week. After, but like, but like, like yeah. seeing, seeing those guys play Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and, um, you know, and, and then having Big Ben and Drew Brees get hurt, like it, it's almost, it's like, all right, you know, the, we are getting to the end of this. But hey, this does. Oh yeah, no, totally. And I mean, I don't know how. Look, Flacco behind that line. Come on, like that. How how viable is that going to be? Right. Um, the Eli thing. That charade's got to end at some point. I mean, if they want to wait till they're zero and five or whatever, you know what I mean? Like Philip Phil Rivers is probably going to be uh, arrested for strangling a kicker at some point in the near future. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was. I mean, even look. I mean, I'm not going to still not going to go crazy about Gardner Minshew, but like he ran around, made plays, didn't hurt his team. You know what I mean? Like Mason Rudolph came in that game. And that that Steelers passing game was dormant for six quarters under Ben. Like it was, it was whatever bad. you want to say about it, it was nothing downfield. It was nothing outside of occasionally force feeding Juju. It was nothing. And Rudolph got him back in the game, and all of a sudden, what you see Washington a little bit, and like, I mean, there was some life there. Is it sustainable? I mean, I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, there, there seems to be, you know, that continued movement afoot and. And a changing of the guard, you know, even Vinatieri hitting the wall. You know what I mean? It did feel a little bit like some doors closing, some doors opening around the league, like that kind of weekend. But Murray and Jackson was a lot of fun. Um, red zone problems for Cliff Kingsbury, and and I get it. I mean, but he, what's that? Why is he kicking on fourth and short in the, on the inside the five? Go for I, it, man! You got to. Yeah, no, I don't look. I'm not. I'm not going to defend that stuff, but. Uh, but I'm also not – I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to kill Kyler Murray for not um, making plays in really tight spaces with what's still an emerging supporting cast around him. I mean, um, I was super impressed by the kid. I mean, Baltimore had to bring numbers and bring big numbers to even try to rattle him because they couldn't do it um, straight up. And then when they did that, rather than flinch, he picked them apart. Mm. Um and that, that is for Baltimore. I mean, I've been saying this forever and writing this forever. Like, anybody who's worried about Lamar, you're, you're, you're missing the plot. They're going to be a handful in offense. Can anybody other than Matt Judon occasionally sack the quarterback for that? Right. And we saw against a pretty good quarterback. Like, Kyler Murray's not a great quarterback yet. He's going to be a great quarterback, um, and he's already really good. And so you saw, like, okay, against Miami they had their way because that's just – Miami has no offensive line, and the quarterback can't move anymore. But, like, Lamar already started showing it. I mean, I'm sorry, Kyler already started kind of showing, like, well, here's what they really have to do to get pressure. And when they do that, if you read it correctly and if you shift your protections a little bit, you can gut even what on paper looks to be, like, a great secondary. Yep. We'll see what Andy Reid and Mahomes do next week. That That's my one sort of critical area with Baltimore is um, pass rush. But I was super impressed with Kyler Murray. I mean, that's Baltimore's home opener. The, the people were actually into the game. It was a tough environment. They got down early. Baltimore's offense in the first quarter looked unstoppable. And the kid never rattled. 
Um, nothing Baltimore threw at him, rattled him. Um, you know, protected the football, spread it around, burned them in the blitz three or four times, got big chunk yards, you know, wasn't looking to run until he had to. Uh, it was, it, I mean, understands the limitations of his size and, and how to move around, arm angles, different things to help himself out. I, I was really impressed. And um, six-point game, it was, it, 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 I mean, yeah, they go for it on fourth and pick it up a time or two. I mean, that that was a that became a winnable game for the Cardinals under difficult circumstances. So that that kid really impressed me. And Lamar is, I mean, Lamar, if he stays healthy, he's an MVP candidate. Period. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think right now one and two MVPs. It's two weeks in, so I'm not making a definitive case, but it's Lamar and Dak are the two guys out of the gates. Uh, really quickly, I know you got to run in a second. Um, Actually, I'm okay. I don't have to do that thing today, so I got a few more right. minutes. Let's, let's do five more minutes because I want to ask you about yes. um, uh, the. I know that it's fluid, and I know that it is. We're recording this at 10 a.m. on a Monday, and the podcast will be up around lunch. Uh, what is your sense on Breeze and Roethlisberger? Yeah, Breeze and Ben. I mean, it, I mean, you know, I, look. I mean, ben, ben is contemplating season-ending surgery. Wow. They have the Steelers are contemplating surgery. That okay. um, this would be multiple months. I mean, this would be. Significant and, and um, okay. Just for clarity, can we, after we get done with this, write about this for the podcast? Like, you don't mind reporting on the podcast? Have you tweeted this? No. Okay. Right. No, no. I mean, he. Um, yeah, I mean, if he gets this procedure on his on his elbow, it sounds like it could. You know, it, it, it's going to wipe out a lot of the season, if not all of it. Okay. It's it's it's, it's this would be a Tommy John surgery, right? Because it's the UCL. I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you're. I mean, it would be a shock if it didn't wipe out. I don't know if it's, I don't know, like, it, it it's around that area, um, you know, in the ulnar nerve. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here. I, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't have the full diagnosis. So, but, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to back you into a corner, but it is. Yeah, no, no, so, no, 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 no. I'm not season. saying, no, I, I just, yeah, it, it, it would be a, it would be a significant procedure. I don't know about the exact Tommy John timeline, if it's exact, you know what I mean? If it's everything that, you know, Frank Job did with that, yeah. um, you know, to sort of really change the, the history of sports medicine um, and but certainly so, so, extend so, baseball pitchers' careers in ways that nobody really fathomed before that. Uh, but it's that sort of an injury. And it looked like when he grabbed his elbow, I mean, it looked like a baseball injury. You know what I mean? It's like I've seen that mo- that that reaction hundreds of times before. Not, you know, but usually it's on the baseball. You know, usually the guy's standing on the mound. Yeah. No, no, when I see it. You see him grab his elbow, yeah, and, and he points to the manager. He like two minutes later, he's walking off the mound, and then twelve. Yeah, hours the shoulders slump down, and he's yeah, and, and, and he's and, going straight to the MRI. Yeah. yeah, and then twelve hours later, it's like there he's going to go see Doctor James Andrews yeah. for another yeah. like a second opinion, like what well, his season's over. Yeah, and I'm not we're not yeah. saying that's where Ben is, but uh, right, it, but it, it this is not like a you know what I mean. This isn't like a you know a little minor scope, and you're back in two weeks. It's not that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but there's also situations where guys don't don't Josh, have to. You know what I mean? Remember, like, the whole Shoney Otani thing and, like, well, could they just, you know, he he played bait. You know, there's other motions that don't affect it as much. And, you know, he was able to hit for a while and put the surgery off and then come back and hit sooner than he would have been able to pitch. So, yeah, I, I don't have all the particulars yet, but that is a very, you know, it's it's a significant situation. Yeah, and the, are there uh, ways to are there ways to do rest and rehab? You know what I mean. Are there alternative paths to navigate for a little while? Because obviously, football season is so small and so finite. 
compared to a sport like baseball. But we'll see. Um, either way, he's not going to be playing football for a while. And, and Drew Brees, um, he's going to see a few different specialists, and then they're going to make a determination on what the best path is for him. Um, is there some sort of apparatus? You know what I mean? Some some kind of custom fit thing he can get that takes pressure off the thumb, oh, you know, helps with the grip, but, you know, but, but still allows him to throw the ball. Regardless, that, that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be playing there, I think it's safe to say, for at least a couple of weeks. Okay. You know, I don't, I, I don't see a scenario based on just what I've heard to this point that anybody's thinking about Drew Brees, you know what I mean, playing this week. And, and even then, there'll probably have to be a process if there is something they can put, make for him, you know, of him getting used to it, trying it out, seeing how things respond. Um, you know, when a guy like Brees says he's concerned. Yeah. That's that you know that that resonates. I mean that 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 tells you something. Fun fact: Drew Brees uh, once broke the news of, and this is before like blogs were big, but uh, Drew Brees once broke the news of a uh, an injury that was going to cost him multiple weeks during the season on this podcast. I asked him, I was like, "Are you healthy?" And he was like, "I'm not. There's something wrong." I was like, "I'm, I'm sorry, what, Drew?" Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. But like, it, but uh, my point to that was that he's like disturbingly honest about what's going on with his yeah. body sometimes. And you're right. He said he's concerned. He said it could have, he's, he's worried that it could be even far, far more serious than he thought. Um, I think it's worth noting that the uh, Saints have six games and then they're week nine by. Uh, and the uh, Steelers have four games and then they're week seven by. I, I would think that if, um, I would think that bye week is probably a reasonable target for both guys. Maybe Breeze is back a little bit sooner. Uh, maybe Ben is is done. I mean, we don't know. But uh, Josh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea at this point. I, I know that you know. Well, Josh Allen last uh, nobody, year. Neither one of them are playing football this weekend, and and maybe at least for a few weeks after that. Okay. Um, all right, that's the scoop on those guys. One more. You got one more thing. Sam Darnold. Yep. How long will? Uh, what are we looking at for Sam Darnold? He's not playing on on Monday night uh, tonight, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, and he's not going to play the week after that, and then they have their bye. Um, and, and at this point, they don't they don't know. I mean, how much weight is he going to lose? Um, you know what what's his what's his immune system looking like? Um, what's his recovery like? You know what I mean? When he does start getting back out there in a practice field with elite athletes, you know, running that team is what does he feel like that night? What does he feel like the next day? Um, what is the situation with any? Uh, his organs and they have to monitor that closely as his spleen enlarged. If it is, then he's at further risk for, for something to rupture. So they have to be careful there. Um, it sounded like they were, everything I was hearing when I reported over the weekend was they're guessing at least a month, you know, from diagnosis to possible recovery, but they don't know, you know, they really won't know until they see how he feels when he's back in that, you know, in that environment. But it's it's not like like some little thing, you know what I mean? It's not like you know he's day to day with mono. Like no, I mean, that's not not how it works, especially um, in you know with the job he's tasked to do. Yeah, and look, I mean they get the Browns tonight, the Patriots on the road in Week Three, and then they're by. So if they're one and two, they've done nice work, and then they come out of the bye at the Eagles. That's a good defensive line. They put a hurting on Matt Ryan on Sunday night. The Cowboys good defensive line the Patriots uh, Bill Belichick a problem for young quarterbacks um, and that's on a Monday night and then at the Jaguars so maybe you're maybe I mean look this is the franchise this is the future of the franchise you cannot risk 
rupturing his spleen to try and get it back for a right. week five Eagles game. No, and 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 that nobody's nobody's going to do that. And uh, you know, so they're just they're, there's a lot of variables right now that they just they can't. You know, it's not like they can get the sharpie out and circle. You know what I mean? This particular game. But, yeah, I mean, they have a plan for when they hope he can come back to practice, and then you just have to start seeing, you know, how you can ramp things up from there and, and you know, what what he's how his body is responding to having to do these kind of things on a daily basis. Uh, okay. Just kidding about last one. This is the last one. Are the Dolphins going to trade Minka Fitzpatrick or Kenyon Drake this week or anybody else? And- the Kenyon Drake thing I have not I have not heard. I can't imagine there's a robust market for Kenyon Drake. As they as twenty teams are, are are reaching out on Fitzpatrick, um, either through Fitzpatrick's agent or some teams just calling the Dolphins themselves for clarification, could somebody have mentioned Kenyon Drake? It's it's I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure that happened, but I don't. That's not. I don't get the sense that they're like, you know, uh, you know, get Kenyon Drake out of here too. Um, right. He's a 2016 third rounder. Like just let him play on his contract. I don't think yeah. I don't, I mean, I, you know, they, they're, they're, they're going to need some, some depth and volume there. That's, that's clear. Uh, they're going to turn through some players. He's, he's but a, Patrick, he, I mean, if they're asking for a one, I'm not sure they can get it. They may, they may, um, maybe, maybe, and if, can, it, what's that? maybe, maybe the Kenyon Drake thing is, you know, he's in the final year of his contract. He is a nice patch catching running back. Maybe somebody calls like, Hey, we want Minka. And they're like, well, we need a first for him. It's like, well, can you like throw in Kenyon Drake? They're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, certainly. I could see a lot of different ways where it came up, but that situation is not at all like this Fitzpatrick where it's like, you know, Hey, you let everybody know in the league, you know what I mean? You're available and here's our price and see what, you know, you're see if your agent can broker a deal. Um, it's just not it's not the same thing. And and really they're looking at it internally like, okay, if we get value for Fitzpatrick, like that's the end of the teardown phase. You know what I mean? Like that's the last sort of There's nothing left. The yeah, that's the end of the exodus. This is what we've got and now it's about identifying a core from what we have here and adding to it, they hope, substantially through the draft. Um you know, it's a shame that it got that way that fast, that quickly with Fitzpatrick, because he's obviously a very intriguing player, but he is something of a tweener, you know, and he's the kind of guy you probably have to to be willing to be very flexible about finding, you know, the right roles or role for him. Um, I didn't look at the play time this week. Week one, it was only 60%, and a lot of time it was sort of in a, in a role that he's not that familiar with and not that comfortable with. Um, if there is one strength and I'm using air quotes because we're talking about a team that looks horrific. It, it would be the secondary just in terms of guys who have made plays in this league and done some things in comparison to the rest of that roster. But, but obviously with no, you know, they don't really have a pass, right? I mean, there's no, it's every, anybody, you know, one or two good players are still going to look bad when the team is that bad. So that's just where they are. Um, but the idea that like, there's this ongoing fire sale, like the fire sale is basically over. Yeah. You know, after this, it's about turning these picks into players and then eventually, you know, adding, supplementing it a little bit in free agency. But that's still probably, you're looking at probably 2021 for that. Yeah, that'll be fun. In 2021, the Dolphins will be good again. Who who would have thought it? All right, Jason Lockerfour. Follow him at Jason Lockerfour on Twitter. Read him on CBSSports.com. Watch him on CBSSportsHQ. And, of course, every Sunday on the NFL Today from noon to 1 Eastern on CBS. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Okay, man. Fuck you. Have a good week. 
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.